Welcome to the radio ministry of Cedar Grove United Methodist Church. May God fill you and transform you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now for some music and then Pastor Brian Bowling. gospel reading today comes from the gospel of Matthew, the third chapter. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. 
But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I, say, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering up his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want you to imagine that you lived centuries ago and there's a man dressed in a bit of a robe who's telling you a story. We were listening to John on that day. I had walked down to the Jordan River with some of my friends to hear this crazy preacher that we'd heard so much about. It was a long walk. It was a long walk. We went down and down and down and down, all the way from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and then we walked up the river miles. It took us all day. We camped out beside the river. We got up early the next morning, and there was John. John was not impressive. He was dressed in crude clothing made from camel's hair and nothing like these fine robes. It looked like he'd made it himself. He must have been very poor. He had a leather belt around his waist. Imagine, it was so crude. Couldn't he afford a proper linen belt? But the overall appearance did bring to mind one of the prophets of old, maybe even Elijah the Tishbite, that prophet who had been such a pain to... King Ahab of Israel and Queen Jezebel. After all, the the scriptures do say that Elijah wore a garment of hair and a leather belt. Well, while we were watching, he ate his breakfast. It was a couple of locusts. They were still buzzing. Yeah, those nasty insects. I guess they were easy to find where he was roaming, but... You know, I guess they also were free for the taking, and he was clearly pretty poor. Of course, I remember reading in Leviticus, I think it might be 11, it specifically says that we Jews may eat locusts and katydids and crickets and grasshoppers because they have jointed legs for hopping on the ground. We just can't eat other insects. Boy, I'm glad of that. But still, yeah. Have you ever eaten a locust? Ugh. While we were watching, he ate his breakfast. Yeah, and then he pulled out a cup 
a bit of a comb of honeycomb. And he slurped that down. And then he walked out into the stream. He had a strong voice. He preached to us, repent for the kingdom of God has come near. I'm thinking, what what is he talking about? He said many things. And then somebody asked him, who are you? Who do you think you are? And he took us back to the middle part of Isaiah. And he repeated Isaiah's words from memory from God. He said, comfort, comfort ye my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord, from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. He said, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, proclaim and prepare the pathway for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley will be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough places will be made level, and the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. You could set it to song, I think. And then John said firmly, this voice is the voice of one calling in the wilderness. So prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And the hair on the back of my neck, it rose and stood up. Could the Messiah be about ready to arrive right here in the Jordan Valley in the middle of nowhere? People were walking down to John, and he was talking to them, and they were telling them of the things, the awful things they'd done wrong. They were telling him of adulterous affairs. They were telling him of being mean and nasty to other people. They were telling him that they had ate pork, that they had spoke to people in such a way that they'd lost friends. They were stealing They had told all of these things. Some spoke of skipping the annual sacrifices. They stayed away from the temple. And in every case, John told them that their confessions were sacrifices acceptable to God. And he then baptized them in the waters of the Jordan, telling them that they'd been washed clean of their sins. Then he saw us who had come from the temple in Jerusalem, We were good people. You could tell we were well-dressed. We were clean. We even wore little pieces of, of scripture. We were Sadducees and Pharisees. More than anyone else, we kept the law. Those of us who were, who were Sadducees, we kept in particular the laws of the temple. We were ensuring that the sacrifices and the tithing and the worship of God happen every day in the proper way. We were faithful at the temple. Always, always there. Whenever we had to be, whenever we were supposed to be, we were there and many times when we weren't even supposed to be there. We kept ourselves apart from the crowd too, knowing that we were entrusted with the worship of God. And so we stayed away from the common crowd. 
because we didn't want to accidentally become unclean and unfit for worship. And those of us who were Pharisees, we lived rightly according to the law. We studied the scriptures daily. We did what Moses had written down. We were being careful not to eat anything that was unclean. We were faithful husbands. We taught our children the law. We even dressed according to the law with our robes and tassels. We wrote the law on parchment that we put at the entrances to our homes, even on papers we carried with us. We were strictly obedient to every command we knew. We even avoided anyone who was a sinner unless we might become unclean ourselves. But John turned to us. We who worshiped better than anyone else and lived our lives more holy than anyone else, who avoided the common people, John yelled at us, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? What had we done wrong? We did good in the world. We told other people what they were doing wrong. We told others what they needed to do to be as good as we were. Surely we weren't sinning like these ugly people who were confessing their ugly sins to John and being washed by him in the river. But John was calling us sons of snakes, the spawn of the serpent, the children of poisonous vipers. He was shouting that we were going to receive the wrath of God. I couldn't think why. I did have to move at that point away from a woman who clearly wasn't working in a very reputable profession. She'd almost touched me in her red robes. I turned again, and I almost ran into a limping beggar in filthy robes who asked me for a single copper coin. We wouldn't allow him into the temple, for it was clear that he was sinning because he was limping, and he was unacceptable to God. His dirt almost got on me. It was as though I was surrounded by the unclean, and I was afraid their, their filth would stain me. But why was John so upset at us? But John continued to shout at us, the heirs of Abraham, chosen by God to keep his law from becoming defiled by poor people who were poor, obviously because they didn't follow the law, they didn't give their tithes, they didn't dress properly, they didn't stay clean. John told us to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. What was this fruit that John wanted? We were telling people how to act and behave. And then he said, don't think that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. And he, said, he pointed to the stones and he said, out of these stones, God can raise up children to Abraham. And then he told us that the axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And it reminded me of a couple of fig trees that I once owned. Year after year, they took up space. They were growing tall and straight. They were beautiful, but they took water and they took fertilizer. And they never bore any fruit that anyone could enjoy. Always taking and taking and taking from me, but never giving. And after a few years, I cut them down 
and I burned them that winter to stay warm. Was John saying that we good people, we keepers of the temple and keepers of all that was holy, were unfruitful trees, taking up space and water and fertilizer, never giving but only taking from others? And now John wanted us to repent, to rethink our lives and our relationship with God. And John's voice faded out as I thought about my life, what was important and what wasn't important. What was the fruit that John was talking about? All my life, I had thought about what God wanted. My parents had taught me that it was a duty to always attend the temple services unless I was deathly ill. My parents had taught me that more than anything, I must follow strictly the law that Moses had brought down from God. Not just the Ten Commandments, but every one of the 613 commandments of the law. And I had studied carefully and I knew every word that Moses had written, every commandment. And I worked very hard to follow those commandments faithfully every day. But it occurred to me that I never before thought about the purposes of the law, the reason for the law, the fruit that was supposed to come from following the law. I had thought that the purpose of following the law was to remain on the good side of God, but what if there was another additional purpose, maybe a little deeper purpose? What if the purpose of following the law given to us by God through Moses was to help all the people of Israel live better together. What if helping each other was the real purpose of the law? What if that's what God wanted us to do? And my head spun. Maybe it was the heat, and maybe it was the sound of the flies buzzing around that beggar nearby. He was eating a bit of ham in his rags. And suddenly I realized that man begging was also a child of Abraham, as much as I was. He was a son of Adam, just as I was. He was created by God in the image of God, just as I was, and he needed help. Not to be told what to do, for he had lived his entire life in a world where everyone knew the law. He needed help because he could not follow the law. He could not sacrifice in the temple because he didn't own an animal. He didn't have an animal to sacrifice. He couldn't dress properly because he could not afford the hundreds of silver pieces, each one worth a day's wages, that it would cost to buy these robes like I had. He had to eat pork because he couldn't afford beef or mutton. He couldn't tithe, because if he tithed, that meant he would starve. He couldn't follow the law because he was too poor to follow the law. And much the same could be said of that woman dressed in red who had almost touched me. She didn't follow the law because she couldn't follow the law. But I could help him, and I could help her. So I reached into my bag of money, and I gave him not a copper coin, not even a silver coin that was a day's wages, but a gold coin that was worth a year's wages and a handful of silver coins beside. And I gave her a loaf, I gave her a loaf of bread 
and some salted beef that I'd been carrying. And I turned around, and there was John staring at me, smiling. He motioned for me to come down to him in the water, and he spoke gently to me as he said, I baptize you with water for repentance. And he dunked me under, and I came back up spluttering, and the crowd murmured something approving. And then he turned to the crowd and he said, once again, a lot louder, I baptize you with water for repentance. And then he said, but after me, it's coming one who's more powerful than I am. I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals, he said. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he'll clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And he looked at everybody and he said, Are you wheat or are you chaff? And once again, the hairs on the back of my neck rose as I shivered as the water and the wind cooled me down. For John was saying that the Messiah was coming. And then a peace came upon me, for I knew that I now was right with God, and I would be right with the Messiah. And that day, I chose to stay at the river and follow John. It was only a couple of weeks before another man came down to the river to be baptized, John's cousin, but that's a story for another day. You know, looking back over the centuries, we rarely appreciate the real difference that John the Baptist made in the world. We see him just as the precursor to Jesus, but at the time he was better, he was far better known than, than his cousin Jesus of Nazareth. He was truly a celebrity preacher. G- Jewish and Roman writers of the time, when they were speaking of the history of Jerusalem and Israel. They would always talk at length about John the Baptist while they would mention Jesus with a couple of sentences. Even today, there's a group. They, were in, they lived in southern Iraq for many years, the Mandaeans. They revere John as their greatest prophet. Groups of Mandaeans left Iraq with the last couple of wars there. They've settled in Australia and Sweden and San Antonio. You see, John was very famous in ancient Israel, and he stirred up the nation with his message of repentance, just simply rethinking, which is what the, the Greek word metanoia, repentance, means. Rethinking the relationship between the individual and the law of God and other people. You know, the man is usually portrayed as a wild and crazy man, but he understood how to get the attention of both the common people and the leaders of Israel. The people loved him, and the leaders of Israel saw him as a real threat to their comfortable status. And of course, John's speech was not very diplomatic. He called the religious leaders a brood of vipers, because they'd become very good at telling the common people what to do, but not helping them with practical help. It's similar to someone insisting that all people who come to church should wear suits or dresses, but never helping anyone with that very real cost of those outfits. Thankfully, most churches have moved beyond those 
sort of dress codes today. But did John condone or support unlawful behavior? No, he never did. But mostly he pointed out that the entire purpose of the law was to bring Israel together, both the more wealthy leaders and the dirt poor common people, and thus the wealthy should bear fruit by helping the common people in practical ways. Instead of just telling people how to live, the religiously observant should kindly help the common people climb the ladder without holding out such a distance between them and the people who were trying that it made the people who were trying feel less than they were. For one of the things that the good people of John's day did which hurt the name of, Jesus, of God was when the good people made sure that the people who were trying but failing understood that the good people were so much better than they were because they were helping them. In modern terms, they were like the people who set up a community breakfast to serve the poor and then stand on one side of the buffet serving while the served people go down the line, but the people who are serving ladle out the food so they can control the food. Of course, that simply embarrasses those who are being served. The food gets handed out, and then the, the people who are serving go and sit down by themselves, not with the other people, but by themselves. See, then the people who are being served think that they're not good enough to be friends with the good people. And then those serving demand and serve and re, re, demand gratitude and loyalty from those who are served. Like an employer expects gratitude and loyalty from an employee or like a Marlon Brando type godfather expects favors back from those that he does favors for. It's an emotional blackmail. Now, John's message and later Jesus' message was that we're all in this together. If we have, we share what we can share, whether knowledge or wealth or food or time. If we don't have, then we just accept that. It was a message that went clear back to Isaiah, but had been forgotten or misread by the good people of John's day. For the message of peace that Isaiah gave them from God applied to people of different backgrounds just as much as to animals when he said the wolf will live with the lamb and the leopard will lie with the goat and the calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. If these animals so different will be able to live together, shouldn't we lead and let our distinctions of server and served, of giver and recipient, of employer and employee, and let that go and simply be friends to one another so we can all bring praise to God. The Apostle Paul put this message in writing in our reading from Romans. He said, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. That's what Paul wrote. And so as John pointed out, 
and pointed to the soon arrival of Jesus by urging people of different classes to become friends and associate together. Let us demonstrate how far the teachings of Jesus have led us to repent and rethink our relationships with the people around us in the world. It is fear that keeps us apart. Fear of being contaminated, of being made unclean. It's a deep fear and we don't even think about it. But you know, faith in God can conquer all fears. So let's be like lambs who live with wolves as we go out into the world around us and turn that broad friendship with all sorts of people that Jesus asks us into our regular way of living. Let us find the faith that God will protect us. Let's repent of our disdain for others and have the faith to repent and draw close to others. And then we will all have faith and repentance as John preached and Jesus preached after him. So come to the altar rail today to give God your fears as we go through Holy Communion. Take time as you prepare during this time of year for God's God's return through Jesus Christ and take home peace. Or you can pray for another person that they may find the peace of Christ, repentance for fears, and faith in God's love. Cedar Grove United Methodist Church and Pastor Brian Boley would like to thank you for listening to last week's pre-recorded sermon. Join us live this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and on Facebook. We are located on Route 47, a mile and a half east off I-77, just across from WVU Parkersburg campus. Donations may be mailed to Cedar Grove UMC, 168 Old Turnpike Road, Parkersburg, West Virginia, 26104. Or you can text the word GIVE to 1304-244-1903 or visit our website, cedargroveunitedmethodist.org and click on the GIVE tab. This will bring up a form where you can determine how much you would like to give. Thank you and God bless you in your life.